The Start On Demand. On demand. Living alone, living in isolation, it's not easy for any of us during this pandemic, but for our seniors, it's particularly challenging. And we'll hear from one senior who tells us just why it is difficult. Substitute teachers, varying rules from division to division. And are we heading for an extended or an early Christmas break at school? It's a Manitoba unsolved mystery. We'll speak to Crime Stoppers about an unsolved murder from 1957 in St. Boniface. And we've got a load of balderdash, tommy rot, poppycock. What less sweary words do you use when you can't use the bad word? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, November 17th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. McNabb is back in the fold today. And, Loren, I have an important question. I would like to begin the show by asking you, on your uh, day off, did you happen to start watching season four of The Crown on oh, Netflix? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I uh, Yeah, I, I watched the first episode of season four Sunday. And this, of course, features the heavy on the uh, Princess Diana and Charles years. And I have to be honest, it's it's uncomfortable. I actually shut it off to give myself a break after the second episode because, uh, I don't know, there's something about when you can relate to it and remember it when they're doing an historical fiction that makes it a bit more real. And so I, I found it, I really hated him. So I needed to <laughs> shut it off. Yeah, they, they uh, season, I think in the third season, they made the Prince Charles character rather sympathetic. And in season four, I just... Uh, that's one of the reasons why it's such a good show. It's complicated, it's complex, and you feel for him and you understand why he is the way he is, why he's always whining and why he's always feeling sorry for himself, but at the same time, you just can't stand him. Uh, so, yeah, it's a great show, and the, the Margaret Thatcher stuff in that season is really good, too, when she goes toe-to-toe with the Queen. So I look forward to your uh, your review once you, if you are able to muster your way through it. I'd like to. Again, I get. I get that it's not all accurate. You know, there's going to be some inaccuracies in there. But I, I w- took a spin around social media yesterday to see how everybody else was reacting to watching it, and man, was it mean. So, in the sense of also not being able to stand the prince, and so it's just it's fascinating. It's fascinating stuff. I don't know. I don't care a lot about royals, and I'm not a royal watcher by any stretch. But I do enjoy watching this show. Now, Greg, I also want to start by thanking you. You brought me a Kit Kat today. You're welcome. And I thank you for that. Uh, and and I, it's funny because I wore a white sweater. I rarely rare, wear white <laughs> tops because I'm clumsy. I wore my white uh, Mondetta sweater with a Canadian flag on the chest and an Irish flag on the left shoulder. And as I opened the Kit Kat, I thought, be careful, chocolate. And sure enough, 10 minutes later, I looked down and I see one two, three blobs of chocolate on my sweater. And I'm like, come on! Next time, Tuesday! Next time I shall include a bib <laughs> in, the pra- in the in the package for you, Brett. Sorry about that. And it's funny. You stop apologizing. <laughs> well, I feel bad. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I just do. That's just my nature. I watched last night Curb Your Enthusiasm. I, I've told you in the past that sort of my bedtime thing now, I'll pick a random 
a random Curb Your Enthusiasm episode and happened to be the one where they go to Cabo for a wedding. Anyway, if you haven't seen it, I won't bore you with it other than to tell you this, that uh, in that episode, they actually get chocolate on the sofa in the very expensive suite at the hotel in Cabo. And it ends up costing Larry $250 to clean the chocolate. So I hope it costs much less than that to get the chocolate out of your lovely Mondetta sweater. I think I got it quickly enough. It's mostly gone. If you look really close, it's still kind of there, but uh, it's it'll just I'll toss it in the wash when I get home. Question. Question of the day, by the way, at cjob.com. Yesterday morning's question, which held through the day, should anyone attending a rally like Saturday's event in southeastern Manitoba be ticketed and fined for flouting the COVID-19 gathering restrictions? By the way, I think that's the second time I've used the word flouting in a question of the day in recent weeks, just because I like that word. It's, it's a great to, word. It's fun to say, mm. flouting. Uh, question of the day, by the way, brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace. 204-832-6243. And the, the results there were overwhelming. 81% say yes. Uh, 19% say no. We also threw this up on Twitter at 680CJOB. 90% yes, 10% no. And uh, Premier Brian Pallister, Greg, yesterday did speak to this. He said, uh, if you didn't get a ticket and you were there on Saturday, not so fast. Meanwhile, the Premier is promising further punishment for those who attended that anti-mask rally in Steinbach over the weekend. Let's bring in Kevin Hirschfield for more on that. And Kevin, the Premier wasn't holding back with his words today. Yeah, Lisa, he wasn't happy with what went on Saturday when nearly 200 people gathered together and broke public health rules. And now the Premier says consequences are coming. Now, RCMP told Global News they didn't hand out any fines Saturday. The province confirmed there were some handed outs, although no total has been given. Pallister defended those enforcing the rally Saturday and says it was a dangerous situation with threats being targeted at them. And those who thought they may have escaped a fine then, well, they won't be so lucky. The consequences of stupidity are going to be felt by the people who were there violating the rules and they should look forward to and check their mailbox waiting for a penalty to come in the mail to them and then they can pay the bill. You don't have to believe in COVID. You don't have to believe in COVID for it to be real. It's real. hundred yards away are people waiting in a parking lot to get treated in a hospital. Less than a third of a mile away from where you were rallying, there's people dying in a senior's home. COVID's real. COVID kills people. So you don't have to believe in COVID, but COVID believes in you, and COVID's going to find you if you're not careful. I like snarky Brian Pallister every once in a while. I like that response. Loren? Yeah, I think that was the response people were looking for in the sense that if you were upset, and many Manitobans were with the images coming out of that rally over the weekend, you wanted to know why weren't officials clamping down on that and it sounds like they're going to so i'd be curious to see how many tickets in the end do get sent out and more importantly how many get paid because that's you know that's what we need to know is that they're, that they're feeling that financial pain and maybe that's the only way to knock some sense into folks so i i yeah i don't disagree with snarky snarky can be good sometimes Manitoba health officials said yesterday 10 more Manitobans have died from COVID-19. 392 new cases have been identified. The province's death toll now stands at 172. At a news conference yesterday, Manitoba's chief 
public health officer said some people are still not getting the message about the need to stay home and slow the spread of COVID-19. Dr. Brent Rusin shared this concern about the capacity of the healthcare system. We just uh, cannot uh, sustain these levels um, for the long term. The um, healthcare system uh, prepared, um, prepared to be able to meet the demand for these type of numbers. Um, but we just don't uh, have the ability to uh, maintain these numbers in the long term. Uh, so that's why it's why it's essential. We're at the critical level now. We need to see uh, these numbers come down uh, immediately. As Global News reporter Joe Scarpelli tells us, the province's top nurse echoes Dr. Rusin's sentiments. Hospitals are already congested, healthcare workers are being redeployed, and more beds are being opened as the chief nursing officer warns the situation is only getting worse. The projections are not looking good. Like if we had a worst case scenario, it feels like this would be it. Lynette Saragusa says what's happening now in hospitals can't continue. A high volume of new daily coronavirus cases and hospitalizations needs to come down as the system was not built to handle them. Officials have already been scoping out large sites like arenas and planning to build temporary hospitals if needed for months. We are looking at some large areas that can house up to a hundred, maybe a little bit more people. will be making a decision and an announcement fairly soon, I think, if we don't see these numbers going down. These temporary hospitals wouldn't be for coronavirus patients, but instead for patients who are stable but still need some care. It's not clear exactly where these sites would be located. Joel Scarpelli, Global News. So still lots of information to flesh out there. And as she said, we might be hearing more about that in the coming days if our numbers don't change. We did see those sort of field hospitals of sorts in New York City at the start of this pandemic. Uh, one large convention center there was transformed into what was essentially a field hospital, much like you, you would see in the military. Of course, we heard from Lynette Siragusa in that story. She is calm, cool and collected while delivering her message. But uh, we want to play another clip from her because her words are really more telling than her tone, guys. But I do want to be clear, though, that what is happening right now in these sites, in these hospital sites, is really a wake-up call to all Manitobans. The entire system is soon going to be under distress with these high daily case counts, and it it really can't continue. The system was not built for that, um, and, and everyone's doing as much as they can, but this is becoming more and more distressing every day that we see these high numbers. Over the past eight months, healthcare workers have worked steadily on the front lines. They have given up their holidays. They have come in on their days off. They have picked up additional shifts and they have extended their work beyond their regular shifts to help their teams manage the increasing number of patients who are coming in. If they don't do it, there's no one else to do it. So the healthcare workers, we we depend on them so much. And if they don't do it, then we can open up more beds. It doesn't matter how many beds and ventilators and space we have. We, We have to rely on our staff and they have been amazing. They have been volunteering all weekend to pick up shifts. So I wanna thank them. Um, and everyone who's been supporting these moves throughout the system. But our healthcare workers are getting tired. They are feeling stretched and they're not gonna be able to keep this up forever.
she made such a great point there. We've been talking so much about beds and, and ventilators and, and pieces of equipment that are a part of this equation. But as she said, they're no good if there's no staff to work there. And so as much as these people are our frontline workers are going out of their way to be there for us, they, they only have so much in them that they can possibly give. And so Saragusa went on to share another message. And, and you can hear the emotion in her voice as she implores Manitobans to think about it this way. There's, there is no plan that can prepare us to manage the demand on our hospitals, that 400 plus cases per day for a sustained period of time is going to create. We need to do better for our clinical providers who are doing everything possible to be there for you. We need to do better for our loved ones because too many Manitobans have already lost family and friends to COVID and we need to do all we can to save others from experiencing this pain. Um, if those words don't have you reconsidering where you go and the reasons for going where you go, I suspect nothing will. Saw on Twitter yesterday, uh, somebody said, at a point, it was uh, the, the time for talking to us like children needs to end. If you want us to stay home, just shut it down completely. And part of me doesn't necessarily disagree with that because a lot of this, and certainly I'm not trying to disagree with anything, but a lot of this just feels like preaching over and over and over again. And if people aren't getting the message, uh, is, the, is repeating the same message going to work? Well, I, I retweeted something that Dr. Rusin said yesterday on Twitter, Loren, and I don't have it in front of me because, Brett, you just brought up that really extraordinary point, I thought. But it was, oh, here it is. Uh, I was able to find it. Brett, Brent Rusin says, uh, our COVID-19 Manitoba case numbers are too high, with more than 1,000 cases in the last three days. We need to get back on track. Stay home as much as possible and only go out for essential reasons. And then I retweeted this and I said this, I feel like I'm tweeting this to people who already understand this. Have we hit a brick wall with regards to messaging, Loren? I, I don't know. You know, some uh, the line about speaking to us like we're children, well, here's the thing. The children are getting it. The kids are doing it. You give them a set of Good guidelines and, and they're doing their best in schools. For sure, they get out of school and they want to run around and they walk home and, and, they're, and they're maybe on their bikes and, and not going 100% social distancing. But they're doing all day long things that many of us are not being asked to do. And they're doing it. So I just, I don't know. I don't know if anything more needs to be said either. I think they've said it all. And if you're still sitting at home thinking like you don't care or this doesn't affect you or it's not that big a deal or you want to challenge a healthcare worker about how busy are you really or how stressed are you really, then I don't know what's left to say to that person. I, do, I don't. If you want to see an interesting video, I think, Greg, you retweeted this at GMACWPG. It's a video from Germany of a, of a an, senior citizen, an elderly man, and it was this setup where he was remembering the winter of 2020 and talking about how they were the heroes of the winter of 2020 and what did we do? And then they flash back to him as a young man lying on his side on the couch and it said, we stayed home. That's how we stopped this. Uh, so it was an interesting uh, sort of speculative fiction ad, as it were, but uh, maybe that's the kind of ad that we'll be seeing uh, in 50, 60 years.
Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Want to have some fun in this segment. Loren McNabb, last week you revealed to us uh, the word jackassery. What's the story there? Well, I've told you before how we have a family text, and I woke up one morning to a text from my father who had been watching CNN during the election coverage and just mentioned that he had just heard the word jackassery on the air, and uh, he thought that was a great use of uh, combo, combo swear words, if you want to call them that. And I wasn't even sure if we could say it, but if CNN's doing it, I guess we could limit it. But he just said that the real word is foolishness or stupidity, and then I looked it up, and it's in a dictionary of sorts, so <laughs> foolishness, obnoxiousness, uh, it can be applied to m- maybe many people in our lives. And so it had me thinking about the words that we might use to replace swears, especially if we're, say, around the kids or can't really <laughs> shut out the expletives like we like. And, and I was wondering what everybody else uses. All right. So let's go around the horn here. We've got Jeff Braun. We've got Kelly Moore. We've got Jeff Forte. Forte. You are the producer in Master Control, which is perhaps the most stressful job in the building as someone who has sat in that chair. I have let many an expletive fly while in that room. Do you have any replacement words for while you're in there? You know what? They're not really words, but it reminds me of this. Is this Home Alone? That's right. Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci in Home Alone, you know, he makes those weird sounds, you know, they're supposed to be like swearing, but it's not swearing. Yeah, well, and that's fair because he is an artiste when it comes to uh, weaving a tapestry of obscenities. He is great at that. So that that's why that particular aspect of Home Alone is even funnier uh, if you've seen any other work that Joe Pesci has done. So that's what you do in there? You mutter to yourself? Well, I just, I say random things like sometimes... It, it, I don't know what it is, but sometimes I'll just be like, ah, oh, Scooby-Doo! <laughs> Greg, Greg loves it when I leave the intercom on and I'm talking to myself in here. And oh, I, say, I love it. I, I think we should be recording it at all times. It would make an outstanding blooper reel one day. <laughs> Scooby-Doo, that is great. Jeff Braun, what about you, sir? I usually just, uh, I pivot to just saying, oh, that's a bunch of horse garbage or something like that something that that fits but isn't terribly interesting i I do enjoy a couple from the movies as well uh you know there would be the real version of a movie and then you'd get like the edited for a broadcast kind of version where they (laughs) replace the swears and uh we've played this one on the couch potatoes many times die hard 2 uh changes the iconic yippee kaye line to yippee kaye mr falcon oh i've got it hang on <laughs> and that's not Bruce Willis either. That's uh, like Bruce Willis is like I'm not doing that. But the Coen Brothers have an even better one with uh, the Big Lebowski involving John Goodman, who is just uh, in a state in this one scene, and he's smashing a car with a golf club or a baseball bat, screaming at a kid who he believes has stolen from him, who has not. And I I won't even get into the context of what he really says, but the edited version is this is what happens. When you find a stranger in the Alps, like the mountain range, the Alps, and he says it over and over again, and it makes no sense. And, and, and you just sit there wondering, why would they even do that with this movie? Just, you know, face the facts. There are some movies you can't edit because it makes no sense. That is wonderful. Yeah, Kevin the Garbage Man. Uh, I don't even think I can repeat this. <laughs> yeah, he pointed to uh, there's a line in The Usual Suspects where they're, they're in the lineup. 
and there's an expletive used. And, uh, well, the, the F word is, is changed to fuzzy. I think we'll just leave it there. That reminded me, <laughs> that reminded me of Darkman. I don't know if you remember Darkman with Liam Neeson, but there's a scene where he's at a carnival and uh, he wins a prize and he, he says, the, the edited for TV version was, just take the fluffy elephant. <laughs> so I still remember that made me all. Uh, what about you, Kelly Moore? Well, uh, I have a, a number of different uh, old sayings that most of them uh, were from copycatting my dad, like son of a sea biscuit and uh, that type of thing. But uh, when we became parents, I don't know exactly what the full meaning of it was but it's kind of stuck with us as a family but our youngest daughter when she was upset with somebody she gave you the steely look and then said you just cry yourself (laughs) i i don't know what it meant but all of a sudden you know when someone was really bugging us within the family we'd turn around and look at them and go you just cry yourself. <laughs> it, it stuck for uh, for a lot of years. To this day, we still aren't quite sure. <laughs> kind of like that, yeah. That's Yosemite Sam. <laughs> I forgot I had that part of the computer on. Sorry, friends. No, no problem. Well, what have you got, Mackling? Well, I'm trying to, because I think it was something that Jeff Braun reminded me of Yosemite Sam and his Rockin' suckin' sassafras! I think this is... Rockin' dirty naga hunting sandals on a Anyway, I was trying to find that clip, but he really goes off on some uh, funny tirades when he's trying not to swear. But my grandma used to say fudge, fiddlesticks, and fiddly-dee. It was so polite when she said it as well. That is cute. Yeah. I was wondering... That's, so, that's from Gone with ahead. the Wind. Is that what it's from? Yeah, she says that a bunch in that movie. Oh, well, I guess that's probably where my Grammy got it then. Loren? I, I, I was wondering why, because Jeff mentioned a horse. I always throw a horse in my fake swear words, too, like, son of a horse's hair. Like, I don't know why I always <laughs> employ the horse into my swears, but I just looked up 50 swear word alternatives. What do you guys think of William Shatner? Oh. As a... Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. They also suggest yelling poo on a stick, which doesn't feel the same. Well, well, see, yeah, it's got to have some sort of authority, right? Like uh, part of the satisfaction of certain curse words is is the how guttural you can get or how authoritative you can get. So if you were to say, oh, William Shatner, you know, like especially if you if you hit the T really hard. Yeah, I could see that being satisfying. But we start this hour. By looking at how starting this week, Manitoba's top doctor will go back to providing daily COVID briefings, meaning for the foreseeable future, you can turn on 680 CJOB at 1230 and hear Dr. Brent and give the daily update on our COVID numbers and answer a number of questions. And he gets a lot of questions, a wide range of questions every single day, but top of mind for many Manitobans have been our schools. And so for Dr. Rusin, there have been repeated questions on how COVID is or isn't spreading in our schools. And for our politicians and school divisions, regular questions on how we will keep our schools running and properly staffed, which we know is a big part of the equation right now. And so for more, we're joined by Alan Campbell, president of the Manitoba School Boards Association. Good morning, Alan. Good morning. 
We just mentioned it there. Staffing is a big issue. We played a story at 615 about how uh, some schools like in BC are thinking about maybe offering an extended Christmas break to get the COVID situation under control and maybe offer staff a bit of a break as well. Is that being considered at all here in Manitoba, an extended Christmas break that you know of? Uh, I think the idea of uh, having the Christmas break start earlier is certainly something that has been discussed and will continue to be discussed. School boards are very aware of the staffing challenges that exist. Of course, the challenges are different depending on on which part of the province that you're in and whether or not there have been uh, positive cases of COVID-19 in schools. Um, But we do talk to government almost daily now about uh, all things uh, related to staffing and the stresses on the system, including the prospect of starting Christmas break earlier. Alan, uh, I heard a story over the weekend uh, directly from a teacher who tells me that at uh, their school on Friday, there were 10 substitute teachers in that school, a smaller school to boot. And uh, just this morning, uh, late last night, early this morning, I opened an email from one of our listeners directing me to a Louis Riel School Division uh, website page where they are accepting applications from people who do not have a bachelor's of education to become substitute teachers. Is this happening right across the province? It is. Uh, that uh, What you're describing is consistent across the province um, to various degrees. Uh, staffing uh, challenges, substitute teacher shortages have been an issue since long before COVID-19 became our reality here. Um, And, of course, that has exacerbated it. There are many divisions that have successfully recruited more teachers and clinicians. But generally speaking, there is a vast need for more people to join the field. Um, We have been in conversation with uh, teachers at both ends of the uh, career spectrum. Uh, Teaching candidates from post-secondary institutions, are we're making sure that they have the opportunity to get into schools as quickly as possible as part of their learning process. And then at the same time, We're uh, actively working with retired teachers and with the Manitoba Teachers Society and their connections with the retired teachers around options to get uh, those individuals back into the system, either in a classroom or possibly through remote options as well. So, Alan, just want to clear that up. The ask to have people apply for a job without a bachelor's of education. We've hired people in the past pre-pandemic to be teachers that might not have that bachelor's of education degree or this is new for this this, uh, period of time. Well, I think if you're, uh, it certainly wouldn't. It certainly wouldn't not have never happened before, but it would be happening with greater prevalence and be, and being mindful that they would be hired for roles that would be supported by the, the professionals in the building. Um, but it's about making sure that students are supported, uh, especially in divisions where they have been able to successfully achieve two meters of physical distancing like Louis Riel. So when you have students uh, in different spaces uh, and you're looking at different uh, collaborations and, and different sort of configurations of schools, you're going to need more people. So what Louis Riel and other divisions are doing is not unheard of, but it would certainly be happening, happening more this year. The objective, of course, is to make uh, keep students in schools as long as it is safe to do so. Consensus among majority of Manitobans and certainly among school divisions is that the best place for students remains in their school. As part of COVID containment measures, are substitutes only allowed to work in a specific division, i.e. each division has a pool of subs they can work with? Uh, Not to my knowledge. Um, I believe that substitutes are able to work in various divisions. At the same time, though, 
many schools and many school divisions have endeavored to bring in uh, substitute teachers that are sort of a standing part of the staff. So they're a substitute teacher, they're in the building, they're supporting the full-time staff that are there, and they're, they're coming in basically on a full-time schedule with availability uh, as needed because, of course, the situation is very fluid as we continue to hear about more cases of COVID-19 in schools and the need for different cohorts to, to move in and out of the schools as we work through those cases um, without, while limiting transmission in the school itself. Appreciating that there's so much can change right day to day, Alan, and that makes it a challenge for different divisions. It might depend on where you're at. It might depend on the size of your school. It might depend on just your, the geography in general. Uh, going forward, is there a new ask on the table at all for additional resources? We know there's been an ask for more staff from some teachers, but I know you mentioned a couple of weeks ago that money wasn't necessarily part of the equation. Is that still the case? There's, there's not necessarily a need for more dollars in the system? Well, right now, every school division has postings up, or not? maybe not every, but if you go to k12careers.ca, which is the Mantua School Board Association portal for helping our divisions recruit, the vast majority of school divisions have postings up and are ready and willing to fill them and have funding in place to pay those individuals. So at the present time, it's, we're not not posting positions because we're afraid we couldn't pay them. We're, we're not able to fill them because there aren't enough people out there. And that reality continues to be part of the conversation with government as we continue to look at the sustainability of the system, the mounting stress that our frontline staff are facing, balancing that off with the overwhelming consensus that the best place for students remains in the school, and how can we safely and sustainably achieve that. Alan Campbell is the president of the Manitoba School Boards Association, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Alan, thank you for this. Thanks so much. And our question of the day at cjob.com, which is brought to you by Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness, 204-832-6243. Some provinces are considering an early Christmas break at schools. Would you be prepared for an early break? Yes, it's safer at home. I'll make it work, or it would be a childcare nightmare. Those are your three options at cjob.com. We'll get that up on Twitter as well, at 680CJOB. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we are asking you at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. The words you use in place of swears, if you have any, and Brad texting at this one at 204-780-6868, I could read it, but I'd rather just play it. Enough is enough! I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday play. There, there's a classic movie edit. <laughs> Thank you, TBS. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I, when I read that, I was like, is he referring to the line that has so many swears that, uh, yeah? I'm sick and tired of these fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane. I think I'm going to use that. <laughs> that's a good I one. I don't know what he's trying to say. <laughs> and I will also say this, we're getting a lot of people texting, shut the front door. And I I don't know why, but it is a pet peeve of mine. And I know I'm inviting uh, people to just say it to me now because I'm admitting that I hate it, but it makes my skin crawl. So. I wouldn't do that to you, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you take a deep breath, Loren. You wanted to say it, and you wanted to say it very loudly there, didn't you? It was Bugs Brett, and I'm at that to the list of things, too. <laughs> so text us, 204-780-6868. But hey, it is Tuesday, just after 7.30, which means what, Jeff Fortier? 
Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca, a better place for you. This was one year ago today in Regina. Pajardo back to pass. Going long this time down the left side. Intercepted at the 15, to the 20, the 25, to the 30, the 35. Winston Rose, the 40. He's to center field, the rider, 50, the 45, the 40. Rose caught it to Bomber. I make that the rider, 33-yard line. 44-yard field goal. Sean McGuire will put it down. The kick is in the air. It's long enough, and it is good. Field goal for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on third and goal. The ball on the tee in the air, and it is good. Ball on the tee in the air, and it's good. 33-yard field goal. Once again, cuts the Winnipeg lead. Cody Fajardo left side, and he won't get there. The Bombers have stopped him at the one-yard line. Big goal line stand. It's been a long time since I've been able to say this, but the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are going to the Great Cup. And you know what happened a week later? The Winnipeg Blue Bombers led by some incredible play by their defense and perhaps a case of some home field disadvantage for the team in green found their way past the Rough Riders and into the Grey Cup, as Brett mentioned one year ago today. One of the most important pieces of that stellar defensive dozen for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers joins us now on Breakfast with the Bombers. Number four, Adam Big Hill. Good morning, Adam. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for reliving uh, one of these great memories with us on the road to the Grey Cup one year ago today. Wait, let's just jump right into this. Your defense was outstanding through the playoffs and into the Grey Cup. But in that game against Saskatchewan, three goal line opportunities for the Rough Riders turned into just three points for the home team. Have you ever been involved in a game where every inch mattered, including the diameter of the crossbar? the way it did in the West Final last year? <laughs> the way you put it like that, I, I don't think you could say yes. I mean, that was uh, that was a game uh, of its own um, that, you know, is an instant classic. I mean, yeah, just fighting for every inch, uh, scratching tooth and nail, and, uh, man, just hearing, hearing those replays just gets me fired up. Yeah, I think it gets a lot of people fired up this morning, Adam. And as, as Greg mentioned, the defense was outstanding, and there were some personnel changes made uh, along the way, particularly late in the season with uh, Nick Taylor and Mercy Matson added to the mix. And then Brandon, Brandon Alexander was moved to safety. What did that mean for your own play, those, those moves? Yeah, I mean, you know, getting a, a different mix-up in the back end, um, you know, bringing in some guys that were been veterans in this league, and, um, you know, they proved to be – exactly what we needed um they came in and worked extremely hard and you know now we're part of part of the family and uh it was fun to kind of see everyone kind of come together and 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 make that run now the play that i think will live forever in the memories of both riders and blue bomber fans is cody fajardo's pass off the crossbar to end the game is that one of the craziest things you've ever seen uh you know, honestly, up until that point, there are some crazier things that happen. You know, we have a a sack force fumble that should end the game. You know, gets overturned. We got uh, the punt return that, um, you know, they did the uh, the good old fake uh, punt return where you got the guy on the other side, you know, catching it, running up the sidelines, and we have Shane Gauthier making an amazing play, you know, to save a touchdown. That was extremely crazy. And then you have 
you know, Winston Sales, uh, our sign, uh, Marcus Sales almost picked the ball off, bounces off his hand into the, into the uh, Riders receiver. You know, for a first down, that was a third down play, I do believe. You know, another great catch by uh, Saskatchewan player, kind of right down towards the goal line on that drive. Like, that, the sequence of those crazy plays all together kind of, to me, outweigh the crossbar. But, I mean, in general, that was a game that had your heart pumping, um, you know, more than more than I've ever felt in the game. Adam, you forgot in that series of plays uh, the Cody Fajardo fumble that was then ruled an incomplete pass when you thought the game had been won before the Marcus Sales crazy play and the crossbar play. That was, you know, as a fan, I've been watching the Blue Bombers for 40-plus years. That was one of the most heart-stopping games to watch of all time. My kids loved every minute of it. Uh, we were with a bunch of people, and, you know, that game and the Grey Cup victory that, that followed a year ago next week really has, in my mind, marked the reemergence, a, a renewed relationship between the city of Winnipeg, the province of Manitoba, and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Have you sensed that, that, that shift? I know you've fallen in love with Winnipeg and made it your home, but do, do you realize the, the, the renewed relationship that, that the community has with this football club? Yeah, yeah, you can feel it. I mean, it's it's just uh, everyone can kind of take a deep breath and say we're champions, and it's been it's been so long since we've been able to do that. There's been a generation that hasn't been able to say that, um, and you know, it, it, when I first came here in 2018, it's it's all you can hear and it's all you can feel from from the city, from the province, um, you know, and you can't blame them. So, being able to bring a championship back, you know, and having the parade that we did and being able to celebrate with so many different people throughout this province, taking the great cup to different cities, different towns, like, you know, it, it's special. It's something you'll forget. And, and it's in general, like you said, it's a great feeling around the city of renewing football here in Winnipeg and, and creating that, that belief and that passion again, because I firmly believe we would have won it two years in a row if uh, we were able to play this year. Mm, there's a lot of people who think that way Adam before we let you go we've been asking a number of players this question over the past few weeks do you wear the ring or is it in a special spot uh I, I don't wear the ring all the time no no but it is in a special spot I bring it out for a few uh events you know kind of initially when we got it I uh, wore it more frequently to show show friends and family and um you know just you know uh, associates and whatnot so you know, it is a bit of a, a showcase item, but, um, you know, you kind of only bring it out for special special times now. Well, Adam Big Hill, a pleasure to talk to you, and it was uh, nice to hear Randy Ambrosi talking about uh, the CFL schedule maybe being released soon. That has us excited for the possibility of Blue Bombers football once again. Thank you for the time, sir. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime. And, and don't forget as well, Saturday night, Right here on the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, we will replay the entire Western final beginning at 7 p.m. That is 7 o'clock on 680 CJOB this Saturday night. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Keep those texts coming, 204-780-6868 for your chance to win Santa Lucia $20 gift card on words that you use in place of swearing. Now, when we first went into this topic, I was thinking, you know, if I can't say the swear, then I just don't do it. But then I realized 
Uh, from remembering watching the show Elementary on CBS, that Sherlock Holmes show, I had to put on the subtitles all the time because he would often say things that I'd never heard before, like the word Tommy Rot. <laughs> Have you ever heard Tommy Rot? Uh, only, only in that context, uh, I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah. What, what does lo- it mean? It means rubbish, nonsense. Oh. What a load of Tommy Rot or that's hogwash okay. is fun. Malarkey. What a that's a bunch of malarkey. Or what a load of poppycock. Poppycock is good. I think I was able to isolate about 11 seconds of my friend Yosemite Sam here, if you'll allow me. As he ends up at the bottom of the canyon. Uh, that's good. I like our listener who emailed us this morning to say they also use car names like Cadillac or Coupe de Ville. <laughs> <laughs> that actually would be fun. Oh, Coupe de Ville. Coupe de Ville is good. I like that. That one, works. One of my buddies, actually, he'll often say, ah, Pompele Moose in, uh, <laughs> in exasperation. Yes, look at that. You knew, did you learn that uh, through your kids and studying French? Oh, what haven't I learned this year? All sorts of things are being learned right now. God bless our teachers. I'll say Brent, that a thousand times over. Sorry, Loren. I, I, I'm trying to remember what's um, cornflakes en français. Uh, is it maïs? Uh, oh, I can't believe Flake de corn? Something, something like, didn't we have one of our listeners oh, in yeah. the afternoon used to send that in to us yeah. every once in a while? Is my, my East Fleche or something like that? <laughs> Whatever it was. Eve probably knows what it is. It was, yeah, Eve, you're listening. Uh, send us the uh, text message. Or maybe that listener who used to listen to us in the afternoon is listening. But a flacon de mer or something like that. And it was just, it was funny every time he sent it. Oh, and look at this. Gary saying, Brett, I thought your favorite substitute was... Uh, uh, corn flakes in French. So there you go. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. But let us know. 204-780-6868. Now, in the meantime, uh, since we've gone into level red, uh, it happens to coincide, of course, with November, which means for me personally, golf season is done. That was what I did. It was my obsession, my hobby, my passion. It's how I got to still see my friends in a safe environment over the summer. That's done. So now it's just me at home, and I don't say this to be, oh, woe is me, feel sorry for me, but I, like a, like a lot of single people out there, I'm bored and lonely. So, yeah, I think it was Chris Rock, actually, who had a comedy bit. He's like, married and bored, single and lonely. Well, I'm single, bored, and lonely. So, oh, yeah. Brett. Yeah. That's sad. Well, we're fortunate enough, I think, you know, we're in a position that at least you can get out to work. Brad, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you have that outlet at least, right? You can go out and go to work and see people. Uh, Greg, you're in the same boat. And, and we know that there are a lot of people that aren't even getting out to go to work. So Peggy Prendergast has been really candid to share her story with us this morning. She's in her 80s. And she spoke with Global News about how she's feeling living in isolation and unable to really go out or even have visitors come in. I can't say I'm getting used to it, but uh, it is what it is, and I'm very thankful that I'm still well, and I I do take care, and I do um, abide by the rules, and so, uh, but it's hard. It's, um, you get to this point in your life, and none of, I never thought I would live this long, and I cherish every day, because the time will come. And I don't want to be, um, 
isolated in a, in a, in a senior center that, um, and, and see what has been happening to so many people that are my age. So uh, it is a bit scary. And it, it, you get to this point and you have things sort of set up in your life that's all quite comfortable and I am quite independent. And then, uh, but I'm alone. Peggy is grateful for her health, but like many of us, is struggling with a mixture of emotions right now. And there's a bit of anger. Anger at, at getting to this stage of life, having things set up. I live a pretty simple life. And, and yet, for what? Like, the, the meaning of life is so much different. And uh, I'm sure we'll be through it one day. Uh, the irony of all of it is my grandmother died in 1918 in Ireland of the Spanish flu. And you start to think, is, you know, is, is this the same kind of thing? And, uh, and, and it, it, it just seems to be kind of, you go along and I've, I've lived nearly a century and here it is, the same thing going on, and we feel so helpless about all of it. Yeah, helpless is a good word, I think, right now. And just in case anyone missed it, Peggy Prendergrast, who's in her 80s, was just saying that her grandmother died of the Spanish flu in 1918. And so that's, you know, she's working like so many to keep that perspective. But I think you could hear in her voice that that's not easy. And I, I know we many of us can relate to that. You try to say things like, I have my health or I have my job, or, or you try to list the things that you're thankful for, which is great to do. But then sometimes you're just staring at the same walls and, and you grow sick of it, Brett. Yeah. Cynthia Carr mentioned that whole correlation as well, like uh, in her conversation with Hal Anderson on Friday, the whole idea about, you know, do you want to storm the beaches of Normandy or do you want to stay home in order to fight this pandemic? And and, and it, it's a, a whole matter of perspective for people, Brett. Yeah. And she mentioned what, what really stuck out for me in that comment was the meaning of life. Mm. And it can be difficult to, to maintain that particular perspective when you can't see the people you care about. As you pointed out, Loren, I do still get to come to work. I'm not uh, one of those here in the building who was mandated to, to go home. And I hope it stays that way because if I get sent home and have to do the show from home, the only people I'll ever see, quite frankly, are the people who work at Safeway and the people who work at uh, the liquor mart next door. So I, I need to come to work to remain sane. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb coming up just after 9.15. We are going to give away that $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza based on your fake swears, words you use as replacements for swears. weather specialist swears. Kayla Evans Inspired and afternoon the around the region. Jack Assery, which a really nice mix was being of sun used and cloud on CNN last week during the election coverage. And that got us thinking about the words point. that we say when we want to say something else, but we really can't. So get a little chilly. Most of us lows around minus 10. I would think for the most part isn't quite as much fun, but some of these words you guys are coming up with are even more fun, right? And then for Thursday, getting a little cloudy, there is the chance of some snow, but we will stay fairly 
particularly mild with daytime highs hovering Colonel near Potter zero. From MASH. It is I minus found nine a outside 680 CJ will be. A bunch of his. Uh, Mackling, McGarry, no, and McNabb. We are asking you at 204 for a chance to win a $20 Brett? gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. Creeps. The words you use in place of swears. You have From Brad texting at this one at 204 780 I could read it, but I'd rather just play it. Enough is enough! I have had it with these monkey fuckers! Snakes on this Monday to Friday play. There, there's a classic Mustard. movie edit. Great Thank you, Caesar TGS. salad. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, when I read that, I was like, Caesar great salad. Caesar, Caesar salad. salad. That so is many so swears. I love it. That, uh, Nefertiti. Yeah. That is like sick and tired of these fighting <laughs> snakes on this Monday to Friday Egypt play. Something. I think I'm going to use that. A queen of the 18th <laughs> dynasty of ancient Egypt. The great royal wife of Pharaoh Akhetanaten. I know I said that name and I. Poorly, but uh, yeah, but uh, it is a pet peeve of mine. And I know I'm inviting. I like that there was some thought uh, people that to just say it to me now because I'm admitting that I hate it. But it makes my skin crawl. Now, Loren, you forwarded us some that one of our listeners used as well. Take a deep breath, Loren. You wanted to say it, and you wanted to say it very loudly there, didn't you? Bugs, Brett, and I'm at that place. Are you around the kids? A lot of people writing to say that these are words they use. So text us two four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. But hey. It is Tuesday just after 7.30, so, which means uh, what, Jeff Forte? to say they use horse hockey or horse pucks. So that Breakfast like with the Bombers brought to you by the cooperators. Find an advisor Fudge at cooperators.ca. A, a better place and for you. Word that, uh, this was one year ago today in Regina. I don't even know if the translation is good for air. And they're also the same listener that means Going long this time down the left. Hooked and intercepted at the 15, to the 20, the 25, to the 30, the 35. Winston Rose, the 40. He's to center field, the rider 50, the 45, the 40. Rose caught the bomber and made Fleischdemarken. 33 Goal yes, line a, a stand. word that I like to use sometimes. It's been a long to, uh, time since I've been able to say this. In a general sense, is but useless. the Winnipeg Blue so Bombers you can like, oh, are going to the great useless. And you know so what happened a week later? The, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers led by some incredible play by their defense. And perhaps a case of some home field disadvantage. Ah, McGarry, you're useless. On the way past the Rough Riders and into the Great Cup. I love on the golf course when you start referring to yourself most important pieces. That's one of my favorite Defense things about dozen for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Stand joins back, us now crack another beer with and the just Bombers. go, okay, here Number we go. four, Adam <laughs> Big Hill. Good morning, Adam. It's going this way Adam. today, is it? Good morning. Yeah, and, and, and usually what happens well, thanks is for reliving uh, one of these great memories with us on the road to the Grey Cup. Uh, one year ago today, we, let's just jump right into this. Your defense was outstanding through the playoffs and into the Grey Cup. But in that game against Saskatchewan, three goal line opportunities for the Rough Riders turned into just so he had three to climb this fence points to go get his for the golf home club. team. Have you ever been involved in a game <laughs> where every inch mattered, including and the diameter of the crossbar, the way it did 
did in the West Final last year. Really? Yeah. I learned some of my best swear words on the golf course with certain people. I swing for the fences when I let it out. Especially if you get in, like, if you're surrounded by trees, then you get that echo chamber as well. So it's even more satisfying when you let it out. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, it is time to give away the $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. Look, it was Irene. I just bought it. It says instead of swearing, I usually say Balderdash. Balderdash is good. I like that a lot. Irene says people know I'm really bad then if I break out the Balderdash. It's sofa, king, close to a swear word. <laughs> what was the one that you pointed out yeah, Loren, I mean, that also needs to know, be said slowly? Getting a, a different mix up in the back end, uh, sure you know, bringing some guys that were been veterans in this league, and um, you know, they proved to be exactly what we needed. Um, they came in and worked extremely hard, and you know, now we're part of. I think it was family. This is from Rick, and he says, "If I am in agreement with someone, I'll say, if I can write." Now, the we'll play that, connect I think, will live forever in the memories if of both riders and the Blue Bomber could fans. Be an example of uh, Newfoundland is Cody Fajardo's pass told off me the crossbar to end the and, game? And, and, hey, is that I one of the craziest things you've ever seen. Oh, no, I know. Just be careful here. Yeah, if you say the words uh, whale, you know, honestly, oil, up until that point, beef, there are some crazier things that happen. You know, we have a... Whale, Oil, a beef, that should end hooked. The game, you, you see know, those words a little bit faster. We got, uh, you'll get something uh, completely different. That, but what are we going um, with for a winner here, Greg? Know, well, I think the, you should just uh, uh, press play. Big, uh, punt oh, return where you got the guy on the other side, you know, catching it and running up the sidelines. And we have Shane Gauthier makes an amazing play. You know, the save. I think it can always come back to the Simpsons. Friends, you know, Seinfeld, Dale, or in this case, Looney Tunes. So congratulations, Navy, for sending the, uh, that one in. It kind of slipped in there. You know, it went, for uh, first went down, unread for a little while, believe, and then I saw it. You know, Jeez, that's another a great catch. By, what is succotash? Uh, uh, isn't it, isn't it right some sort of unpalatable fruit or vegetable, Loren? Oh, hang on. Succotash is a culinary dish consisting primarily of sweet corn with lima beans or other you shell know, beans. More than more okay, than maybe not unpalatable. Like Adam, you forgot yeah, in that series. Either way, whatever uh, Sylvester the Cat says, it's fun, and it is a fun one that to say. That's what you're looking for. All of these have the been fun. This is great stuff. Thank you to everyone who participated. And the crossbar play. That was, you know, as a fan, I've been watching the Blue Bombers for 40 plus years. Should get the gift cards. Navy wins the day. So now we have some music to help us set up our next segment. The theme song from Unsolved Mysteries. How's this for an unsolved Manitoba mystery? It's an unsolved murder, Greg, that goes back to 1957 in Winnipeg. Yeah, I've been reading the details of this. A little over two weeks ago, the Manitoba Association of Chiefs of Police launched a feature on their website called Unsolved Mystery Fridays which will be a regular series featuring unsolved murders in Winnipeg, pointing to the fact that even though these cases are unsolved and despite the time that has passed, they can still be solved if the right information is brought to light. And that's where Crime Stoppers comes in. And our next guest, his name is Detective Sergeant Tom Mackay, and he's the police coordinator for Winnipeg Crime Stoppers. Good morning. Good morning. So take us back to 1957. Uh, that's a lot of years to go back in the memory, but there are people that might be able to help out. So can you tell us a bit about what happened then uh, about this crime? 
You know, sure. Um, I wasn't around, of course, during that period of time, but uh, the date was September the 7th, as you said, 1957, so some 60-plus years ago. A uh, local beat officer, uh, as part of his duties, would check in on businesses from time to time and came across a uh, gas station in the uh, St. Boniface area on Provence and Tache, where a 19-year-old male was supposed to be working the night shift. Unfortunately, the uh, police officer found uh, the 19-year-old Leo Lamontang. Uh, he had been slumped over the desk in the office, uh, suffering from a rather uh, serious head wound. Um, he was rushed to hospital, but unfortunately, about four days later, Mr. Le- uh, Lamontang passed away from his injuries. Uh, through the investigation, they were able to determine that the cause of death was from blunt force trauma to the back of the head and during that time, uh, I'm sure they investigated every lead that they had. However, they were unsuccessful in coming up with a suspect. They did, however, manage to release a, uh, a description of the person they thought might be responsible or at least involved with the, with the crime. At the time, he was a white male described in his 30s, standing approximately 5 feet 8 inches, uh, fairly well built, and he had light brown hair at the time. You know, the, the details are, 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 are graphic, they're gruesome, uh, to be sure. But, you know, uh, the thing that jumped out for me in reading this, uh, Detective Sergeant, is the idea that this uh, potentially was about um, $72 in cash and about $17 worth of gasoline. You know, you're right. Even factoring in, you know, the times, uh, you know, where the dollar was even worth more back then, still not worth the taking of uh, another person's life. How do you go about solving a crime that's over six decades old? Well, it's certainly no easy task. Uh, I can tell you that the police service does have a historical homicide unit that does uh, look after these kinds of cases. And so what we'd be hoping for in a situation like this, you know, considering how much time has passed, is that you know, perhaps somebody is holding a bit of information that they wanted to take to the grave, but now maybe the attack of conscience has motivated them to come forward and and tell police what they do know. I'm wondering what you might say to people um, who would respond with, you know, it's good to solve the crime, but the odds are that maybe even the person who did it or persons who did this have passed away. And they might ask the question, why bother? And I know that might sound callous, but what's your response to that? Why bother in in the case this old? Well, you're right in the sense that, you know, considering that it's been, what, 63 years, uh, it is certainly conceivable that the person or persons responsible have become deceased themselves. But the job of the police service is, and it's our responsibility, is to investigate every crime such as this to its full degree. So even with that amount of time, it's still incumbent upon us to do everything that we can Uh, to solve this for various reasons, right? We owe it to the community. We owe it to the victim's family. Um, It's just just what we're here to do. It's our function. Well, let me tell you, as uh, someone who's part of a family who is... uh was affected by one of these historical murders in our community back in the 1970s, I'm grateful that you are continuing to try and find and get to the bottom of of who the perpetrators of these crimes are over time. How many of these unsolved murders are there on the books? 
You know, that's a good question. I wish I would have thought of that. Uh, I would have had that answer for you. I'm afraid I can't give you a number. I, I simply don't know, and I, I don't want to guess at that. But uh, we certainly do have a number of them. Um, and like I say, we never close the books on them. So there's no prediction as to when that that tip or that bit of information is going to come in. And that's why I say we, we always keep the books open on this. And um, even when it comes in, considering how much time has passed, we will still look into it. I mean, just one thing off the top of my head that comes to mind is in this day and age is uh, DNA uh, advancements, right? I mean, um, there's been cases even from, you know, the 70s and 80s where DNA was recovered, but they just simply didn't have the ability or the technology at that time uh, to uh, tie them in. And, of course, that exists today. And so... You know, you never know. Somebody could be holding in a piece of clothing or an object, you know, of somebody who was involved in this particular crime that they could bring forward and turn over to police and uh, become part of the investigation. You know, uh, Detective Sergeant uh, Tom Mackay, when I was speaking with uh, the chair of Winnipeg Crime Stoppers, Paul Johnson, he was telling me how he, when he was reading the details in this case, he couldn't help but notice similarities between this one and the first case solved by. Crime Stoppers, which was in Albuquerque, uh, where a young, uh, 1976, a young Albuquerque detective came up with uh, what started the Crime Stopper program. Um, this had to do with uh, a situation where there was a young gas station attendant who was murdered. Crime Stoppers now worldwide in 24 countries, and a crime is solved somewhere every 14 minutes. Uh, so for anybody with information that could solve, help solve not just a crime like this specific one, but any crime, uh, Crime Stoppers is a way for them to do so in an anonymous way, right? Because I think a lot of people are scared that if they call the cops that they're somehow going to get in trouble. Well, I mean, there can be a lot of different motivations for somebody to uh, use a resource such as Crime Stoppers. Uh, and to be honest, we don't really judge what the motivation is, even if it's you know, strictly for monetary gain. Um, we're in the business of helping solve crime, and however we can receive that information, we're grateful for it. Um, we don't do any call tracing. We don't you know, take any steps to try and trick anybody uh, so that we can reach out and contact them or, or turn their names over to police investigators and such. So if somebody does have fear for retaliation, um, as the reason for calling us, you know, we're that safe resource that they can trust and protect, or that trust that we're going to protect their their information. So if they do have some information on this crime from 1957 or any of the crimes you're investigating, the best number to call or website, what should they do? Well, they have a few options. Uh, they can certainly call our tips line at 786-TIPS, well, 204-786-TIPS. Uh, we also have the online uh, option as well where people can leave us secure web tips, and that's all encrypted and that, so their identity is just as secure as it is through the phone line. And we also have a mobile app now that people can uh, download and uh, leave us tips through that method as well. Detective Sergeant Tom Mackay, Police Coordinator for Winnipeg Crime Stoppers, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Detective Sergeant, thank you for this. Thank you for having me. And if you would like to read more on this story, you can go to the Manitoba Association of Chiefs of Police website. It's macp.mb.ca. Right on the homepage, you'll see a tab that says Unsolved Mysteries, and you click on that, and it brings you to Manitoba Unsolved Mysteries. There are a couple there. There's another one that goes back to June 21st of 1967, a 44-year-old Gordon Gunn, who was the night manager at the Montcalm Motor Hotel, 
Hotel at 2880 Pemina Highway was found dead by hotel patrons. So you can read on that and you can read on the murder of Leo Lamontang as well as uh, there's also, I see something here, the murder of Margaret Greaves. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.